If you'll give me a moment, I'll show you the actual little pot that I made during the filming of the intro clip. Just so you know, it was legit. And also, that it appears much bigger on camera <laughs> than in real life. So here it is. Now, I hear your judgmental laughs under your encouraging claps, but despise not the day of small beginnings. Next thing you know, I'm making pots all the time. Okay, uh, I expect to hear many cheesy and corny jokes about being potty. Um, but there is, there is a purpose behind that conversation, this um, illustration that I intend to unpack for you today. I um, also have, uh, for the purpose of our discussion today, um, two other items up here. Uh, the one is a bit aggressive. Uh, the tiniest hammer to match the tiniest pottery, I feel. And then um, this takes me, seg segues me into our message today. Um, and this is currently my favorite cologne. It's called The One by Dior. can only spray once a week, because that is 200 rand a spray. Um, so I'm just saying, next birthday, hashtag 51. Um, but I wanted to talk to you today about a scent God gives us that we seldom preach about, the scent of smell. We often preach about opening our spiritual ears, and we often preach about uh, the eyes of our understanding, the illustrations around the tangibility of touch and that which I have touched and felt and seen. We talk about that a lot. But there's an entire conversation in the Bible that actually starts out in Genesis and wraps up in Revelation. It's present at the birth of Jesus. Do you know when the three wise men came, they brought of the three ingredients, two were spices for the making of perfume, frankincense and myrrh. Well, one for perfumes and one for the burning of incense. The, scent, the sense of scent or smell is huge in the Bible. And I want to talk to you about that today, to contextualize Christ's death, burial and resurrection. One of the things about the Old Testament that has often bothered me is why a God so powerful and so loving would expect of people the killing of animals as a sacrifice. It probably may not have crossed your mind if you've grown up in the faith, but the further we journey down the like, take care of living things, the grosser it sounds, especially when you study it. The literal taking of a living animal and nailing it to an altar using pegs to attach. Okay. So that this YouTube clip is not taken off, I'll stop the description. It just sounds so extreme. And then I wondered, what's God getting out of that? Why would he require that? of us? Is it the cost? Does he want us to pay something so that it costs something? And it's only when you take a little bit of time to explore the purpose behind it that you discover that almost everything God does is not for God, it is for us. That there is something in it for me that I am getting out of this action or act of faith that God is trying to teach me, show me, or demonstrate. Proverbs chapter 27 says, Oils and perfumes, 
Make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. The idea of aroma in the Bible would be the equivalent of today's modern language of good vibes. I now know some of the evening services here because they laughed at that. And a few others are Googling it. Good vibes, that's sort of a sense, you know, we define it in lots of different ways. Uh, We define it as people having a good attitude, people having a friendly disposition or demeanor, that some people just are a vibe or they bring a vibe or they kill the vibe. (laughs) And that actually is simply using modern words for something God created, instituted and utilized for our growth and health that you can find in the Bible. And I, I think we should explore that a bit. In Exodus chapter 30, From verse 22, God gives a long instruction about how to make a certain kind of perfume. Actually, you might better know this as anointing oil, if you're like a deep charismatic or Pentecostal. Now, I must tell you that I grew up believing so strongly in anointing oil. I anointed everything. I anointed my houses, my cars, anything I bought at various times. I anointed people. I anointed disobedient dogs. I have anointed everything. Uh, Exodus 30 gives the instruction, Moses, uh, the Lord says to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and of the sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is 250, and 250 of aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shackle of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil, that's uh, three and a half liters, in case you're uh, keeping the recipe, a hen of olive oil, Uh, making of these a sacred anointing oil blended as by the perfumer, and it shall be a holy anointed oil. And the Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices, stacta and onica and galbanum, I worked hard on that. Spices with pure frankincense, you see the wise men, of each shall be an equal part and make an incense as per the perfumer, season with salt, pure and holy, and you shall beat some of it in a very small, uh, some of it very small, and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you, and it shall be holy to you, and the incense that you shall make according to it must have its composition, and you shall not make for yourselves, it shall be for you holy to the Lord. It's a big instruction. It says make two things, make oil with some aromatics, make incense with some aromatics, beat it, Put it into the holy place and let it be the aroma of life whenever you enter into a place. So when the wise men came, they realized at the birth of Jesus, they realized this is the oil sent from heaven to heal the land. I should surely bring the spices that are needed to make it a holy oil. And on a day, the beating will blend it and place it somewhere where I shall meet him. For it shall be a holy thing. And you to keep none of it in your house. Don't make it for any other thing. It is consecrated to the Lord. We don't always recognize the purpose of things along the way, only to discover later that God's really just telling a story in the form of a play so we could get it. The purpose of those sacrifices I was telling you about. Uh, Genesis chapter 8 tells us 
It says this, then Noah built an altar to the Lord, took some of the clean animals after the flood and the clean birds and he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. And the Lord smelt the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Ever, even though they uh, may be in the inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood uh, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done today. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Of course, in Mandela Bay, we implement them all same day. <laughs> same day. We like to be biblical here. But what that, verse, what that verse is reminding us of is simply that the sacrifices that were done in the Old Testament the animal sacrifice, which by the way were spiced. Time doesn't allow me to, to dig into how they were spiced, but they were spiced. It, it was God saying, create a pleasant aroma, a celebration, a well-spiced braai, a barbecue for our international community. Not because God needs it, but because your life needs the aroma of life and not the aroma of death in a world of constant decay. That's why. Do you know, um, many years ago, and I, I have a feeling some of you will be grossed out by this story. I'm very sorry to add the occasional gross story into my messages. Um, but uh, some years ago, in my previous, the previous home I owned, uh, I, one evening while sleeping, uh, or lying in bed, I heard scratching in the ceiling. At the time, uh, being very, a, a very good anointing with oil kind of guy, I rebuked it and anointed the trap door with oil, went to bed. Next night, more scratching on the ceiling. A wise man told me, you've got rats. I thought, well, that's easy. You get some rat poisoning, and you stick it up there, and that's that. I did it. I'm very sorry. I apologize to the let and let live, live and let live uh, people. It was in the middle of summer. How many of you know where this story is going? The rat poison was very efficient, but for weeks afterwards. I mean, it just sort of went through phases. At first you thought, perhaps it's just in your mind, you know. The occasional waft you would think, those darn neighbors and their affection for weed again. Something coming through. Coming through, but I don't know from where, coming through. Then on a really hot day. <laughs> I mean, what a reaction. And so I brought the actual rat with me. Over. I'm joking, I didn't do that. I didn't do, that would be, I mean... Um, but there was an aroma that took place that wasn't a pleasant aroma. And irrespective of the quality of my day or my life, the aroma lingered. I had to get up there, find the thing, sort of scoop the goo up. I'm very sorry, this is awful. And get rid of it. Why would aroma be a spiritual of spiritual significance? Well, let me tell you why. Because what God was demonstrating to the people, uh, the children of Israel, is uh, that whether you're a saint or a sinner, the aroma of life can linger in your heart, in your home, in your environment, in your circumstances, whether you're rich or poor. See, a lot of the other senses, they're impacted by the status I find myself in, but not sent. 
And God wanted everyone to know that there is an aroma of death in the world where things deteriorate, morals deteriorate, relationships deteriorate, wealth deteriorates, but there is a biblical way of doing life where things increase and not decrease and the aroma of everlasting life must puncture the aroma of sin and death. And so we find ourselves in the New Testament where this idea of an aroma, a perfume, an anointing oil, whatever you want to call it, stands out again. Jesus is not far from his day of reckoning crucifixion. He's reclining uh, out at a friend's house for dinner. And between the two gospel accounts, uh, one in Mark and one in John, we become aware that a woman of questionable character, it's implied in the gospel, perhaps even a woman of the night, comes uninvited to the dinner. John chapter 12 picks up the story from verse 3. Now Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and washed his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, good old Judas, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and given to me? I mean, sorry. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. It's nice that it's in there, just to clarify. Sounds like such a nice thing. Actually, do you know, um, uh, uh, may I go deep for a second and then just come right back and then we stay friendly? It's the verse I think about when people tell me that I want to give to the church, they want to give to the poor. Okay, I'm out, I'm out, I'm back. Hey, happy days. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Let me just comment on why so much detail than the story. Because the perfume was worth about a year's wage. And there is something about the statement of a year. Because the sins of mankind in the Old Testament were cancelled annually through the death and sacrifice of an animal. So that the perfume of that moment would sort of permeate the sinful nature of humanity. But we'd have to do it again next year. And so this woman without realizing had taken the concept of all 365 days of your life was held in this pot. So that in a few days time A year's worth, your year, my year, this year, every year. Would be poured out on a cross so that the aroma of life would come to earth and the aroma of death would be taken by heaven.
Jesus said, you're missing the moment. This woman gets it. This woman gets it. Today, we're not paying for the poverty of those who need shelter and food. Today, we pay for the poverty of those who are poor in spirit, broken in heart. She prepares me for the most important moment of my life on earth. Jeremiah chapter 8 describes Jesus as this perfume perfectly. When the prophet says, is there no balm in Gilead? Where's the oil? Is there no physician? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? The prophet is speaking rhetorically, saying, where is our oil? Where's the oil that started out in Genesis and was uh, uh, sacrificed for in uh, Exodus and was carried to by wise people in the birth of Jesus in Matthew and, and, and was, was poured on his feet and washed with her hair um, uh, in John chapter 12 and, and is the oil of gladness poured into my heart. You may not know this, but living a life without Christ has an aroma to it. And living a life with Christ has a different kind of aroma to it. You can walk into a praying house and it smells different. Its sense to your soul is different. Now some people, when they want to sell a house or they want to be welcoming to people, you know, they bake cookies and make the house smell good. They're on a mission. Christ's death, burial and resurrection was God making our lives smell good again. There was a sense in which the sacrifice was designed to teach us that even though there is an aroma of death everywhere, Christ is my aroma of life. And the Bible tells us there are ways in which we can bring that into our hearts. You know, I, I hate to make this confession, but I think you should always have some friends in your life who tell you, you need a, need a shower. Now, I know that you do it every morning and every evening or only every evening or only every morning or once a week or once a month. Jesus, help me. Oh, you're laughing. How's your daily devotions going? Me just minding my own business. Oh, you shower once, you shower once, what, yeah? Sorry, that seems very harsh now. Now I've said it, but there it is. It's out now. You need friends in your life to say, did you go to gym yesterday? You eat garlic yesterday. Did you, how was the wine? You need some people in your life to say, don't, don't, don't go out there, fetch your destiny smelling like that. Spiritually, you need some people saying, 
You've, ha- you've fought against principalities and powers. Your soul is sweating from the struggle. You need to stand in some songs of worship and let him wash over your soul and let the aroma of life return into your heart. You know, the Bible says that if you, if you love biblically, there is an aroma of life to that. Do you remember what I said its wording is in the modern language? There's a good vibes to loving God's way. You know, the world we live in now, uh, the way our world thinks through things, the only way to change the world is through the love of God. Not the criticism of your opinion about something in the Bible. Don't do that. I, want, I think parents are making a huge mistake. Personally, I'm not a parent, so like, feel free to use this hammer. I actually broke the hammer uh, in the effort. I think the, the, okay, there we go. It's all right. Jesus shall restore. Um, I think parents are making a mistake in the way they raise their kids at the moment. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Uh, most parents will go to any church that their kids want to go to. But then when their kids don't want to go to church anymore, they don't go. That's the mistake. Because what your kids want to do is watch what you do. They want to see you go without them. Because then they'll know this is something for them, not something used against them. There's a kid amening right there in the corridor right now. I'm getting amens from kids' church and everything. Either that or somebody is getting the loving discipline of the hand of the Lord on the seat of understanding. I don't know. We're going we're to know afterwards with the reports. <laughs> Ephesians 5 says, And walk in love as Christ loved us um, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 2 Corinthians 4 says, If you only look at us, You might well miss the brightness if you just look at the outward stuff. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's uh, incomparable power with ours. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphant procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. I really hope that the, the vibes, the aroma, the, the, the life you leave behind, the scent that you put out into the world, spiritually speaking, is of life to those who are saved and to those who are perishing. Why be so cruel to people already perishing as to, as to be vindictively aggressive? rather to love. We're going to have to love people into the kingdom of God. And if you want to be aggressive and fight someone, pick a demon and beat it up. But don't pick a person. Don't pick a category of people. Don't close the door on anyone. Go find the demon behind the thing that irritates you and have a fight there. Very easy to look at somebody broken and say, you're going to hell. That's easy. Very difficult to look at a demon eyeball to eyeball and say, come at me, bro, if we're going to use that sentence as it was intended. 
That's harder. That takes Bible reading. That takes weapons of warfare. That takes armor of God. Those are, that, that's adulting stuff, that. It's easy to, just in a moment, not wise. Praying is an aroma. The Bible tells us that if we uh, commit our ways to the Lord, it puts the fragrance of God into our lives. It's an oil over our lives. Psalm 141 says, May my prayers be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. We've got to lift our hands up more. You know, the worship is amazing here, but don't worship with your hands in your pocket. What you want to do, you want to lift up your hands and let the fragrant aroma of a living sacrifice permeate your marriage, your business, and your kids' lives and this town. People are putting out bad vibes, bad aroma all the time. It's on us to contradict that with the aroma of Christ. Got to sing it out. There in your lounge, wherever you are. There are 35 people watching in Toti together in a room somewhere. Um, with uh, Anthea and the Wright family. Uh, there are a bunch of people watching in the city of George, a bunch of people watching in, uh, in the UK, people watching all over and having communion together. You know what happens when you sing your songs of praise and you pray your prayers of thanksgiving? An aroma of life comes into a place. Can you say amen to that? It's, is that a clappable moment? It is sweet. It's sweet. You know, people often say, uh, one of the reasons I absolutely love our church, people will sometimes, before they've even attended a service, still in the, co- in the corridor, say, oh, I feel at home here. Let me tell you what makes you feel at home. If you think it's the decor, that's 10%. If you think it's the coffee, that's another 10, well, 15%. The coffee is better than the decor, right? 15. Otherwise, the coffee people would be very annoyed with me. The samosas, we add another few percent. Do you know what it is before you've experienced the service? Let's not evaluate the service. Before you experience it, you know what it is? The sweet aroma and fragrance of the love of God in our midst and the prayers of the saints who've prayed, let your sons and daughters come home. That's what you, that's what you experience. You don't have the words for it, so I'm just helping you out. You're not going to walk in and go, smell spiritual here. I get it. But get the picture of the sacrifice. And then finally, spiritual transacting is an aroma. I, I struggled over which word to use because transaction sounds so mechanical and seems inappropriate in a spiritual context. But, but look at Revelation 3.18. Then you'll understand why I use that word. Uh, the prophet is writing and saying, I counsel you, I recommend, that you buy from me gold refined in the fire, so that you can truly become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your, uh, your shameful nakedness and salve oil, balm, anointing oil to put on your eyes so you can see. Spiritually transacting means I'm not going to accept that the way I see things is automatically right. There's an attitude in the world at the moment that just because that's how I see it, it's got to be right. You're not even going to agree with yourself next year. You're not. This year, you're all about banting. Next year, it's intermittent fasting. Next year of next year, you're vegan. After that, 
You're eating the lion diet. You don't even agree with yourself. You don't even agree with yourself between breakfast and lunch. How then can we be so determined that the way we see it is the right way? No, I must go to God and I must transact. Lord, I want to get into marriage. What's the biblical transaction of rightness that I need to see from your perspective to bring the aroma or fragrance of life into my marriage? I need to transact with the Lord and say, show me your ways. And then the transaction is I surrender something and I pick up something better. One of the great fragrances of life is the surrendered or submitted spirit. It's one of the great fragrances of life. You know, arrogance gets up your nose. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. <laughs> I mean, if I really want to be Pentecostal, charismatic, like TV evangelist vibes, I could say, even the rain has a smell. You know when it's coming. Like, yeah, you see, you see, I knew. I don't need to be that guy. You get it. Transact with the Lord. Uh, it's interesting. You're transacting with everybody else. You negotiate with everybody else, except you don't transact with the Lord. What does that transaction look like? It looks like this. I want gold in my life, not cheap yellow substitutes. I want white clothes, garments of righteousness. I don't want a spotty personality. I want a sanctified one. And I want sight that's better than my personal experience because I'm going to disagree with myself this time next year about something for sure. I need to come into agreement with the Lord because that is the power of a spiritual life. The aroma or fragrance of life versus death. You may not know this, but if you're not a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, you're lacking a certain spiritual vibe. And all you need to do is take on Christ Jesus as your Lord. And He will permeate the atmosphere of your life with his presence. So we come to the end of the conversation and I must pose a question. A lot more people followed Jesus to the cross than followed Jesus from the cross. Don't be that guy who goes to a historic event and acknowledges it as a significant historic event and then goes your way. What you want to do, you want to follow him to the cross and then you want to follow him from the cross into newness of life. Can you say amen to that? And so with that in mind, I'm going to invite you to stand wherever you are in whichever rooms you are, uh, online if you want to um, and take a moment so that we can pray together. I'm going to do two kinds of prayers. The first prayer is to be followers and allow the aroma of life to come into our lives. And the second prayer is to be a follower of Jesus Christ if you have not accepted him yet 
as Lord and Savior. What better prayer to pray against the backdrop of the sound of rain on our roof? And so let's do the very first prayer. A thank you, Lord, for your bloodshed and your body broken, for the aroma of life coming into our lives. Lord, we thank you that you took a year's wage, the wages of sin and death, and you, and you carried it to the cross. And while you were carried to the cross, we were carried to a table. And we acknowledge and thank you for the privilege of that. Today, we welcome the aroma of life. We thank you that as we sacrifice things to set them apart, to make them holy, to designate them as special, that something permeates our spirit and permeates our relationships and permeates the atmosphere of our homes and our businesses and our cities, our marriages and our children's lives. Thank you for life. Holy Spirit, we invite you to teach us to live in the aroma of life and not death in Jesus' name. And then secondly, a prayer that's going up on the screen for now and later than live when people watch this in their thousands over the next few days. If you, if you haven't made a decision in your heart, not just to follow Him to the cross, but follow Him from the cross, not just as the broken man, but the resur resurrected King, then I'd love for you to consider praying this prayer. And if you pray it, you're welcome to come talk to one of us and we will help you on your journey. A double portion, Lord, for those who will be saved today. It's on the screen. If the rain um, is, becomes louder, just keep reading. You can, you, can re you can read. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, you said in the Bible that whoever hears your words and believes God sent you to set me free from my debts of sin has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. I confess that I believe and receive salvation from my sins and new life in my soul. I now cross over from death to life in Jesus' name. And everybody said a great big shout of praise 